He anxious to sell the land, Doka. He don't want to be bothered with it. He called me to to him and said, because of how long our families done known each other and how we've been good friends and all, say he wanted to sell the land to me. Say he'd rather see me with it than Jim Stovall. Told me he let me have it for $2,000 cash money. Now, he don't know. I found out that the most Stovall would give him for it was $1,500. He trying to get that extra $500 out of me, telling me he's doing me a favor. Well, I thanked him just as nice, told him what a good man Soto was and how he had my sympathy and all, told him to give me two weeks, said he wait on me. That's why I come up here. I sell them watermelons, get Bernice to sell that piano, put them two parts with the part I done saved, walk in there, tip my hat, lay my money down on the table, get my deed and walk on out. This time I get to keep all the cotton. Hire me some men to work it for me. Gin my cotton, get my seed, and I'll see you again next year. You might even plant me some tobacco or some oats. The theater, the theater. Theater, theater. I just messed that up, but that's that's fine. I'll we'll we'll edit. It's it. fine. We're fine. We're all good. We'll fix it in post. We're fine. Wow. Fix it in post. Uh, I'll fix it in post. Already uh, starting off great. Yeah, we're professional starting podcasters. Off great. How's everybody doing? <laughs> doing great. Yeah. yeah. Doing I well. The sounds of LA are present in all four of our Zoom oh, audios man. right now. Yeah, the cops just went by. Uh, yeah. Apartment. It's just. It may be a pandemic, but LA's popping. Man, yes. I was I was awoken this morning by the sounds of industry, the sounds of the city, like <laughs> just like construction, like and why grinding? Why does construction require so much grinding noises? Hammering, right. I it's can the under- jackhammer. It's the yeah. I don't get it. Anyway, I hired them to wake you up this morning. Actually, right? Was it you? CJ paid for it. I paid for it. I PayPal'd her a few bucks for it too. So yeah, we're okay. we're doing infrastructure work here in LA, <laughs> I but did. just to piss you off. Yeah, I exactly. Did. Exactly. <laughs> that leads me perfectly into. It's a great segue. Uh, welcome to Theater Theater. Uh, the theater podcast for theater people, made by three theater nerds from the LA theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Burcham. I'm CJ Merriman. And I'm Scott Leggett. And each week, we get together to discuss, debate, and disseminate the evolutions of the great playwrights. And this is our mini-series, entitled the podcast lesson. Yeah. yeah. The profoundly Woo. prolific, profoundly prolific August Wilson. Indeed. Yes. Yes. And uh, we have a guest today. We do. We have an extremely, we're extremely happy and thrilled and uh, to have yeah. Raphael Clements here with us today. Raphael uh, and I have known each other for a while. Raphael has worked as an actor, a teacher, and a director since 1985. Uh, he's performed all over the place with Houston's Alley Theater, Ooh. Yale Repertory Theater, Hartford Stage Company, the Public Theater, New York Shakespeare <laughs> Festival, New Federal Theater, Target 
Straight Margin, Circle Rep Company, Company of <laughs> Angels, City Garage, Independent Shakespeare uh, Company, and many, many more. He's been but on. That's all. That's, that's no, that's not all. I had to edit. That's it. it. I, I had to edit. I had to edit that list down. Uh, he's been on TV and film roles on Law and Order, As the World Turns, Another World, New York News, just to name a few. Uh, wow. He spent the past 15 years uh, working with a public charity that provides health care to low-income communities in Los Angeles. Here, here. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Incredible. Um, he is a graduate of the University of Tennessee. Go Vols, uh, <laughs> as well as the. Yale School of Drama, no big deal. This guy right Just here. Yale. <laughs> Just the Yale School of Drama. <laughs> Um, Raphael and I met uh, at Sacred Fools. Um, we did what was at the time titled a play called 43 Plays for 43 Presidents. It has now been updated okay. to 45, pre for 45 Plays for 45 Presidents. Welcome, sir, and thank you for joining us. It's, it's great to have you, and thanks for listening to the pod and for reaching out and everything. Thank you, Scott. Um, yeah, thank you, Bailey. Thank you, CJ. I um. I, I, I am a listener and uh, you'll be happy to know that when I listen, sometimes I'm like yelling at my phone because I'm like, no! <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, Scott, I also will say that we met the first time doing Swine Show together. Oh my God, duh. Yes, that's oh. right. That's right. That's right. Yes, we. I, I got those mixed up in order. The historical epic show of the sacred, that made Sacred Fools Sacred Fools. Oh, and that was so, I mean, Paul wrote that 10 years before we did it, and it's still, it means like he did a time travel. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> you know? it, was a, still, it was a play about celebrity and um, uh, ob celebrity obsession and, and, and all that. We'd starred Brendan Hunt. Uh, as as nominated swine. Golden Globe uh, nominated Go Golden Globe nominated uh, Brendan Hunt from Ted Lasso, uh, yeah he's doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I forgot that we that those were switched. Regardless, it's awesome to have you here. We worked together, and it's great to have you here, uh, especially to talk about um, this guy uh, August Wilson. <laughs> no big deal. Um, the man, the myth, the legend. It really is like. I just forgot. I've spent the past week and a half just loving rediscovering yeah. and rereading. And how did everybody uh, not step on your toes, Bailey? But how did how did everybody hear? Uh, <laughs> he's just just shaking at me. But sounds what, great. Uh, uh, how did everybody first encounter August Wilson? Right, because we should mention, you know, we're connoisseurs of context, yes, of context. on this on this podcast. So we like to understand <laughs> the context before we get into it. So uh, I can start if you like. Uh, yeah. I, oh. I was introduced to August Wilson because it'll be fast. I got my it was the reading list that I got from the head of the directing program at Webster when I was about to start there at the conservatory. And he had fences and piano lesson on there as must reads. And I bought them when I was like 18. Um, and I've read them both a couple times, uh, but it was great revisiting them. And I've, unfortunately, I've never seen a show. I've never seen one of them, but that is it for me. Raphael? Oh, I have a long uh, history with these plays. Um, I was up at uh, the School of Drama during the sweet period. I, I was there from 87 to 90. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. World premiered two of August's plays. We we world premiered the piano lesson my first year there, and we world premiered uh, two trains running. 
Oh my so god! I, um, wow. I, saw the, I saw the development of both plays. I saw the original casts of both plays. Mm. You know, since then we drama grads had made it a a policy to whenever a new Wilson play would open on Broadway, we'd get together and we'd have a dinner at a soul food restaurant somewhere in in uh, uh, New York, and then we go see the play, and then we gather and have some drinks. So oh. we did that. Mm. For, uh, we did that from. We did that from Fences all the way to King Hedley. (sighs) Wow. So, uh, you know, I've uh, fortunately I've been able to see every one of his plays uh, staged, uh, (sighs) most on Broadway, except for the last one that he wrote. And that was uh, Radio Golf. Yeah. That's the only one that I haven't seen. Um, And so, yeah, I've got friends who have done the plays, um, directed, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a long, long history with these marvelous works and the only, I've never actually gotten cast in any of them. Which <laughs> 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 sucks, but I mean, it's not too- <laughs> Yeah, but- Small but, casts. Yeah, <laughs> tiny casts, but, you yeah. Know, but getting, I mean, uh, so like you, so you got to like hang out around with like Lloyd Richards and stuff. Yes. Like that. Oh. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, man. got to see Lloyd Richards and you know met August and talked with him. Um, one thing that you that oh. you know, you'd be interested to know is that uh, I mean the piano lesson, which was August the second, Pulitzer Prize winning play. The original cast, Samuel L. Jackson, originated the role of Boy Willie. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And this was before. Uh, before he the, was Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was <laughs> wow. Before, um, this was before the Spike Lee movies. Mm-hmm. This was before uh, Pulp Fiction. Right. And uh, you know, Sam was just this wonderful stage actor. You know, a lot of credits. Uh, was in his forties. He didn't get a chance to do it on Broadway because the role was written for uh, Charles L. Dutton. Right. Charles S. Dutton. S. Dutton. And, yeah. um, and he had to understudy him. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was wonderful in the role, and it's just two different, different interpretations. Yeah. They just both two work physically different men, yeah. like just physically different, and both insane. It, it's funny, uh, uh, we'll, and we'll probably get into Charles S. Dutton in a second. But I was remembering and went and watched some YouTube of Rock. Do you remember Rock? His sitcom on Fox. Do you, CJ or Bailey, did you ever watch this? This might be before your time. So it was him and the cast is a lot of, a lot of actors that had appeared in August Wilson's stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, Carl Gordon, who played his dad. That's right. That's right. His brother, they both uh, were in the world premiere of The Piano Lesson. That's right. That's right. Lyman and Carl played Doker. That's right. That's right. And, (laughs) But Rock, well, when it first started, it was just sort of a, a traditional sitcom, you know, three camera sitcom. Um, sure. It was just about a garbage man. But then in the last two years of it, they did it live every week. Yeah. Like oh. on live television. Yeah. They, you, you were watching the recording of a performance. This is wow. filmed live. in front of a live studio audience. And, yeah, that's crazy. But, but they were broadcasting it live. Yeah, because every one of those actors were theater trained, and they wanted to have that energy and energy of a theater actors. Uh, oh, another thing I should say, like in Rock, uh, the one who played his wife, Ella Joyce, she um, she was in the world premiere of Two Trains Running. She played oh. uh, wow in that Ella, Ella did. 
yeah, it was an insane cast. Like, and and it did like three or four seasons, but like I don't think people really realized what they had like until it was until it was over. Yeah. But yeah, Bailey, what about you? What was your uh, well, in your, case your any... experience with with him isn't as cool yeah. as Raphael's. <laughs> I mean, in case anyone was wondering why we asked Raphael to be the, the guest. <laughs> Now you know. Um, <laughs> ours are all silly contexts now. Um, no, my context is is simple. It's it's I was handed fences in an acting class, um, or excuse me, a script analysis class. That's mm. and was the first of his that I read, but knew his name. But I got to be honest, and this is something maybe we can talk about later. He was not taught. I don't think in a lot of high schools and isn't taught in a lot of high schools. I was not handed Wilson. I was handed Hansberry, mm -hmm. but I wasn't handed a lot of black playwrights. In fact, none besides right. Lorraine Hansberry. Oh, definitely. Until I was in my college. High school. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think uh, obviously that's a huge problem, but I was handed fences in school and college. Loved it. From there, found the videos, the sort of bootleg videos of James Earl Jones mm -hmm. and that and, and Mary Alice and like you know, and I, that's when Sterling I Kate really Brown. was like, holy shit, mm -hmm. you know, because you have to see it. You have to see, like with every play. Like I just like I have to see it before I'm like fully in love. Fell in love, and then years ago, somebody gifted me Jim of the Ocean just as a gift they were just like oh i found this play i thought of you and gave and i thought you'd like it and i was like oh okay yeah sure i'll read this <laughs> um and i loved it so much i ended up reading the whole century cycle which yeah. i hadn't done yet mm. um this was years ago but uh i also saw at oregon shakespeare fest a uh play that was called unison which was by this theater group called universes um, oh, that's Stephen Saps and Mildred Sapp. Sapp. Correct. Exactly. Um, they were commissioned by Oregon Shakes to build this show surrounding August Wilson's poetry. Hmm. Oh, um, groovy. Oh, that's cool. It was quite good. Very interesting. Um, the cast was incredible. Um, but Universe is the group um, and Stephen Sapp and the crew. I think it's four of them were also in the cast and part of the music. And it was uh, just like this really epic night of theater. You just could feel it in the audience. People really loved it. That's really it. So I had just started getting into theater and sort of getting into performing and being aware of it when I saw, I can't remember if I'd seen James Earl Jones if it was for the Tonys, if they did a scene for the Tonys. They did. Mm -hmm. I have the DVD of just all the times that they did play scenes in the yeah. Tonys. I'm sure it's behind me somewhere. So, uh, <laughs> so I'd seen I'd seen that. And it. I remember, I, I can't remember even exactly how old I was. Early teens, maybe. But the uh, Nobody Says I Gotta Like You. Mm -hmm. That's the one that's on YouTube. And it. I was sitting next to my father and watching that scene and it, 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 it elicited an emo, a sincere emotion that I had not experienced with theater yet. Um, mm. It was one of the first times where I was jarred by a, his James Earl Jones's intensity. God, I want to talk with you about that later when we get, when we get there. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, and <laughs> 
So, and then not too long after that, I either got a, a bootleg or saw, I think PBS put out, did showed Fences or did a, sh a filmed version uh, of, of it that was great. Um, but then it wasn't too long after that, that uh, 60 Minutes did a, a fantastic piece and it's on YouTube uh, with August Wilson, on August Wilson, Ed Bradley did. Um, Ed Bradley was used, used to be one of my favorite like journalists, like I used to watch 60 Minutes as a kid, <laughs> watch Ed Bradley talk. He just was always amazing. <laughs> but then to, just to watch the interview with August Wilson, and I should say that my family is connected to Pittsburgh. Like uh, I was born just like an hour and a half away from Pittsburgh in Western. Oh, cool. Like I was aware of August Wilson because of the Pittsburgh connection thing. But anyway, but that's that was my connection to it. So it was sort of... It was those live performances. It was like, uh, I'm going to watch this because Darth Vader is going to be doing a sit on, <laughs> on the stage, on the play. And then you're like, and just like, he just, just eviscerates you. He eviscerates everybody. Or, yeah. you know, and, and then I read a lot in college. I, I had a, I had a great uh, scene analysis, play analysis professor who was just like, read this. And what I was reminded of, I was reminded of him going, you're not going to enjoy reading a play any other playwright like this and that was what i found over the past week and a half going back over everything just the joy and the pleasure of reading it yeah. like he's mm -hmm. the language the rhythm and everything about it is just a pleasure to to read no and it all me. reads so quick that's mm -hmm. something that i just kept noticing as i was getting through these plays quicker than i normally do like sometimes i have to stop Especially with multi-act multi plays where I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'll pick this back up later tonight or the mm -hmm, next day. Mm -hmm. Right. A lot of times I like to just read a play all the way through, like I'm viewing it, right? And that's my preferred way of doing it. I got to do that with all four of these plays mm -hmm. where I just sat down and read it. Yeah. And mm -hmm. was just like, that was great. And I think it has, to, it has to do with, August said that there were four things that influenced him as a, as a playwright. The blues being one of them, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, Argentine playwright, uh, uh, no, Poet Borges. Oh, that's yeah. Uh, right, yeah. I, I can't think of the other two, but the, he listened. They were the four to, Bs or whatever. Yeah, the four right? Bs, right. Yeah. And one of the things that I always heard about auditioning for him, mm -hmm. auditioning for August and Lloyd, is that you have to get the rhythm right. It's mm. it's 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 bluesy. It's I don't I don't I don't know if you'd say it's like verse, but there is a definite musicality to it, and if you think about old Delta blues music and they were just kind of riding that wave. It, it carries you along. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and it's, and it's that ease, it's that musicality that makes it, like you said, Scott, just like fun to read. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, I feel good. I feel loose reading it. Yeah. When it gets tense, I'm like, yeah, but it's fine. Wilson's got me. Yeah. He knows, he I was knows really... what's up. I was really struck by um, how many different, like he's got range, like, cause I'd read Piano Lesson and Fences a couple times and you know, they're like kitchen sink drama feels, but then like, I felt like uh, Gem of the Ocean was a little bit more surrealism and it, it's yeah. activism, it's feminism, it's all like, it's so many things. And he wrote, he, there were so many different plays, but they were all definitely his. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. if this play, if this podcast is about the evolutions of playwrights, then this is going to be a fun one to talk about evolution for because we're starting in the early 80s 
ending in 2003. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the time periods he's writing in are beginning in the 1900s mm-hmm. and going to the 90s. So this is, this is going to be a freaking blast. But let's start off correct. Let's let's do it right. Scott, drop it. Scottpedia. Um, yeah. So so um, let's let's zing through this real quick because uh, I think I want to get into talking about the plays. But yeah. So Frederick August Kittle Jr. Whoa. Nice who changed his name to August Wilson, was born on April 27th, uh, 1945. He passed away, liver cancer, October 2nd, 2005, only mm. 60 years old. It's heartbreaking. Whoa. It breaks my fucking heart. Like, I didn't oh, know. Yeah, what I didn't know he done was next? So what yeah. would he yeah. do it? Yeah. Um, anyway, um, he was born in the Hill District of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He was the fourth of six children. The Hill District of the Hill District of course, will become the setting for many, many, many of his plays. Yes. Um, his father was named Frederick August Kittel Sr. He was. What was a... that? Was that Scottish? No, it just it didn't come. Out. It sounded a little German to me. A little German. Yes, German. Well, he's, he was German. Yeah, that was. Oh, he was go. German. Yeah, I was trying to do trying to do German and it didn't come. Got out. It, got Don't it. quit your. Uh, I won't. I, I don't have a day job. Right? I'm sorry. That's why I stopped no, halfway through that. Oh, there's a big ow. cut. Uh, wow. I'm sorry. I'm rub sorry. Rub salt in there. Uh, nah, I'm fine. It's great. Um, but his father was a uh, a baker and pastry cook and wasn't around a lot. Uh, was a bit of a drinker. Was probably emotionally, uh, if not physically, abusive and was in and out and then eventually... Uh, he was gone. His mother, Daisy Wilson, was an African-American woman from North Carolina who cleaned homes for a living. Um, and she is clearly the inspiration for many of his strong female mm-hmm. characters. I think there's at least two or three, if not more, plays that are dedicated solely to her. Mm-hmm. Um, she raised the children alone. After his father passed, that's when he assumed uh, her surname um, became August Wilson, as we know and love him. Uh, life for, for Wilson and his siblings was really rough because he was biracial. Um, so they they had he had a lot of problems. They had a lot of conflicts. I had mentioned that 60 Minutes interview from the late 80s that Ed Bradley did. And in it, there's a moment where one of August's sisters shows a picture. And it's his high school picture from Catholic school. And he is the only black person in that photograph Mm. and he's in the back and his head is just hanging down it is it's a profound image to see and like Mm. and she just sort of relayed the abuse to uh, that he endured uh he dropped out of high school i think this is the coolest part is that he dropped out of high school he just couldn't handle it he dropped out of catholic high school he went to another high school he quit that and to sort of hide that from his mother he would just go to the carnegie public library in pittsburgh which is one of the most beautiful public libraries you'll ever see. And that's where he read. That's where he just Hmm. educated himself. He learned to read at the age of four. Uh, He began reading black writers at the library when he was 12 and spent the remainder of his teen years educating himself. Ralph Ellison, Richard Wright, Langston Hughes, James Baldwin. Oh, Oh, I got to do a quick digression because I've been into this and somebody posted this recently. If you guys are not. Fine. (laughs) Digression. Jesus. 
uh, if you guys aren't uh, aren't aware of James Baldwin, James Baldwin wrote the novel with Beale Street Could Talk, which was made into the movie. He's a genius. Sure. Um, but when he passed away, uh, he lived in the south of France in this beautiful little home in south france um but when he passed away he left this insane vinyl collection and somebody went through the vinyl collection and created a 32 hour playlist on spotify called shea baldwin that is like butter it is the most amazing oh. collection of blues soul jazz yeah. big band there's everything from curtis mayfield um patty labelle yeah. to frank sinatra uh it's it's amazing anyway I'm um, downloading this now. <laughs> you it is. It, I, it's it's a fantastic soundtrack. Uh, so then August Wilson uh, joined the army in 1962 after his mom found out that he'd quit school and was like, you're 17, you're going to join the army or do something. Yeah. Uh, so he did. <laughs> uh, he spent three years in the army. Uh, when he got out, he bought a stolen typewriter for $10 and declared himself a poet and started writing. This is, uh, again, roughly 65. Around this time, he starts getting involved with the Black Power Movement and the Nation of Islam. Uh, he liked the messages of self-sufficiency, self-defense, and self-determination. He converted to Islam in 69. And in 68, he co-founded the Black Horizon Theater in the Hill District of Pittsburgh. It still mm. exists today. Oh, wow. So what's that. the first play he ever writes? Jitney. <laughs> well, that's it. That's the one. Well, he wrote a play called Homecoming that kind of bounced around and then uh, wasn't published until later, but it's not part of the cycle. Um, but Jitney is the first uh, the first of the cycle, and that comes out in 82. Right. And he, uh, didn't, he didn't set out to write a cycle, correct? I think um, by the time he wrote Fences, he thought uh because he wrote uh he wrote my rainy then he wrote fences and he thought well and, and he had wrote, written jitney but it hadn't gotten produced yet right. and so he thought he thought well you know they're each in different decades and that's when he decided that to take that on why not finish them why yeah. not do all the decades why not do it all you know we kind of talk about this but realize how momentous this is i mean he decided to write a play for each decade of you know the the last the last century chronicling the african american experience literally from the point it wasn't after slavery but you know shortly after the uh um uh, plessy versus ferguson oh right which mm -hmm. was put down in the supreme court which was in the 1890s the start of jim crow and the great migration started mm -hmm. uh you know in 1915 so he decided to chronicle that entire African-American experience for, for the whole 20th century. And that is a huge accomplishment. I mean, and that not uh, that's eight of those plays, nine of those plays takes place in the Hill District. I mean, it's sort of like, I mean, the, I mean, I was reading for it's sort of like, you know, Dylan Thomas and uh, William Faulkner having writing novels and having all his action you know coming back to that one county mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a huge undertaking that that he's done that you know no other you know playwright or writer not, or very few have ever done something like or try to tackle something like right. that amazing and he managed to do it you know in 20 years <laughs> my god yeah <laughs> oh my god it, he has this great qu quote wilson that says um he said if you put them all together, you have a history. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Right. That's his sort of take on it. And I, I agree. Especially nowadays, if there are uh, folks, if, 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 they're, they're, if there are white folks or, you know, folks who want a entertaining way to learn the African-American experience mm-hmm. in all of its depth, read August Wilson or see his plays and Agreed. that will mm-hmm. teach you. Agreed. There's another great quote. This is that brings up another great point, which is uh, August Wilson said, "My plays are not for black or white audiences, but rather about the black experience in America, and contained within that experience, because it is a human experience, are all universalities." Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Oh, yes, thank you," because you're you're correct, Raphael. It's like. Not only am I learning about a culture that I'm not a part of or aware of in ways because it's a deeper part of the culture than is being portrayed in 99.9% of film, television, on stage, um, until you see Wilson tell it and you're like, I get it now and I understand it, but I also am able to find myself in these plays. And learn from these plays in other ways outside of just black culture, white culture differences, right? I scribbled down roadmap to understanding. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt about reading all those. Well, and especially right now in a time of education where, you know, I mean, we're all doing our best. We're reading as many books as we can. There's every every day on Instagram, I see somebody post a new book that they're like, no, you got to read this one. This one actually really has a great perspective. And I'm like, great. And I order it. I'm like, let's I want to understand it. But even just reading these 10 plays again has been like, which I did. I decided I was like, I'm just going to read them all again. And I'll be honest, I didn't finish Radio Golf. (laughs) <laughs> I did. I read that one extra. I finished uh, the whole thing. It's the one I've, ne- I've never read it or seen it. We have it's, it, Scott. We it's have great. it. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I just, and I realized we did, we had a digital copy of it and I was like, oh, cool. And I started mm-hmm. reading it and then I went, I'm not going to have time to finish There's this. There's pictures <laughs> from the original production in it too. Like It's almost like it was in a magazine or something. Yeah. Like the mm. whole script. But there's, yeah, there's pictures from the original production. So that was cool. Uh, so oh, right on. Let's get into our first deep dive. deep dive right so the first one that we chose to do which of course has a brand new film on netflix that has been number one on netflix multiple weeks and is a uh is glorious stellar take on this play mm-hmm. uh in a lot of ways and i'm sure we'll get into it and we'll talk about it um it's also uh written in what year scott Nineteen eighty. Four? 84, yeah. 84, yeah. yeah. Uh, or at least produced in 84 for It was the produced time. in 84. And, yeah. I had down 82. Uh, that is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah. Yes. Now, I uh, waited to watch that movie uh, mm-hmm. until I knew we were doing this miniseries. Because it's been out for a few months. Mm-hmm. A month and a half, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm was like, i going to wait to watch it because I know we're, we're coming, up, coming up on August Wilson. Um, but I knew that the movie was coming out before Chadwick passed. Mm. Yeah. And uh, was really excited about it. And then when he passed away, I found it really hard to watch the movie at all. Mm. Yeah. But once I was watching it, I was really, I was like, fine. And I was like, no, he's, he lives on in his movies and like things like that, you know, whatever. But yeah, it was kind of 
hard for me, um, and I'm sure millions of other people, uh, just to watch a performance like that that will undoubtedly be nominated if not win the Oscar. He, you know, set a record with most SAG nominations uh, recently, and I think that was today that was announced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So who's he? You said he set a record for the most SAG nominations. Who's who is he? Chadwick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, for because uh, he also had the Five Bloods this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wait, I haven't watched so that he one. ended up with a bunch of noms. Um, and he's uh, y'all should watch the Five Bloods. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite possibly uh, Spike Lee's like in his top three films. Go ahead, CJ. Did, does anyone want to hear the breakdown for Ma Rainey's Black? Oh Bob? yeah, we should absolutely. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> CJ's breakdown. Tensions rise when trailblazing blues singer Ma Rainey and her band gather at a recording studio in Chicago in 1927. Um, oh. It's um, boom. So it's the only one of the cycle that doesn't take place in the Hill District, doesn't take place in I, Pittsburgh. Right. Can I read y'all something that just yeah. hit me like a ton of bricks? So this is from, and, and this is just how good he is. So he writes the setting. He sets the setting. Uh, at the beginning of, of the play in the mm-hmm. book. And then he just writes, it's under the heading, The Play, and it's like a page and a half. And this is just a little snippet. snippet. Chicago in 1927 is a rough city, a bruising city, a city of millionaires and derelicts, gangsters and roughhouse dandies, whores and Irish grandmothers who move through its streets fingering long black rosaries. Somewhere a man is wrestling with the taste of a woman in his cheek. Somewhere a dog is barking. Somewhere the moon has fallen through a window and broken into 30 pieces of silver. That's not for the audience. The audience of that play will never know that. That is <laughs> that is for the creators. It is setting right. a mood and a tone. And it, <laughs> it's just like, I, I read that like 10 times just going, it's so beautiful and so marvelous. And, and then just, just let his poetry out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can see it like he was a poet, you know, and Lloyd Richards, I think in the intro to fences talks about, you know, he is a poet that chose to wrote, write for the theater and you can feel that, you know, that, that language and in, in everything. Absolutely. Yeah. For you guys, who is this play about? Who is the, who is the protagonist of this play? Levy. Right? Do you think yeah. so? No, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know about know. the protagonist. I think it, it, it almost feels like um, he and Ma Rainey are sort of just as important as the other mm-hmm. in a way. They both mm-hmm. play. They're, they're the dynamic that creates the themes of this play. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like it's like one of those slice of life things where you're just watching a bunch of different interactions and conversations happen. I mean, certainly I think Ma and, and uh, Levy are the two biggest parts, but you kind of get an insight into everybody, the band's characters and everything, you know? Mm. Definitely feels like an ensemble piece. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, that's... Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think that there is a one protagonist uh, in it uh, because, I mean, August was... Um, he wasn't about writing the well-made play. Right. Uh, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted to write the experience. So... <clears throat> I mean, you got these two people who are, you know, representing different things. I mean, Ma is of the blues, and I believe that Levy, uh, he's representing jazz, mm-hmm. right. uh, you know, coming. And 
he's just impatient and he has no sense of uh, collaboration. It's like he's you know running on a train and he uh, doesn't believe in having to collaborate or uh, he's kind of putting all his eggs in one basket. And you watch, I watch and I kind of think, you know, if he had just, um, if he had just embraced Ma mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um, the band and, you know, took in what they had to offer and believed that that was a part of him, it'd be a different play. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He just, he just, uh, he was just, he's impatient and he, he wants to go and, uh, you know, he's sort of like Boy Willie in that, mm -hmm. in that aspect. He's just, he's, he's impatient. He is too big for this imposed world mm. you know, that racism has put him in. Mm. He's just, he wants out. Yeah. He wants out desperately. Yeah. Yeah. You can feel it. And I, I uh, actually started thinking about um, James Brown. And James Brown's story of how he basically, which is funny because Chadwick Boseman played him, I think, mm -hmm. in the biopic, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, right? But mm -hmm. um, he, he, the story goes that he, another artist was up on stage and took a 15 minute break. And James Brown was like, this is my chance. And just jumped up on stage <laughs> and started go going nuts. And people were like, who is this guy? He's awesome. And then somebody right. in the audience was like, yo, let's give you a record deal, you know? So I... It's, you believe that movie? It was he. He. he it was Little Richard that he, he jumped up on. Right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it is yeah, Little yeah. Richard. <laughs> it <laughs> is amazing. But I think that that that's that's the other thing that the uh, that the play is about. It's also about the transition of art, the uh, transition of pop culture, yeah. transition of music. She's un she's as unwilling to budge as he is driven to move on yeah right. Uh, right. and that conflict um is insane it, it well, and then they don't have a lot of time together it's more about watching the band interact uh on both sides right they don't have a lot of time together well and i feel like one of the other themes that he touches on in all of these plays is the differences between generations and dealing with one another. And are you going to learn from one another? Are you going to yeah. accept? Are you going to reject? Are you going to resent? And I think you see almost all of these characters deal with that, especially, you know, just coming out of, uh, you know, it's like post-slavery, just, you know, the, uh, the first play, Gem of the Ocean, it's what, 40 years after? Not even? Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they're dealing with some serious generational stuff. Mm -hmm. That anybody, wasn't even... Anybody that's over 40 was would have been born a slave right, right right and this this play in particular is sort of right after the great migration right where yeah starting start yeah. oh it's start okay yeah so people are yeah, they have, yeah the great migration really kicks in about 1915 and it keeps going on until 1975 wow, right. yeah. okay wow. yeah yeah it's 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 the largest un like documented migration sure. in, in history because four to six million black people come from the south during that Seventy years, right, and, wow. and sort of being promised a lot, right, a lot of safety and a lot of it's better uh, up here, right. Yeah. But actually, I think you know, and I, I this is just in my reading, found that they were saying that they'd come up here, but then it was like, well, then there were less numbers, there was less safety in numbers. They became more of a minority. They became, you know, and all these things were happening where 
the safety wasn't really there and it wasn't, you know, and the, the racism still existed, obviously. And so these stories tackle that without having to show it in a lot of ways. They discuss it, but we don't see, in Ma Rainey we do, but in a lot of the other plays, we don't see a ton of like white characters coming in to be like horrible um, antagonists, mm-hmm. right? It's not really about that. Um, no. uh, there was a quote that Toledo said that I wrote down was, uh, he called them a leftover from history. Mm. So, you know, first of all, um, I think that the, the movie was a wonderful adaptation of the play. Yeah. Um, Ruben Santiago Hudson, who's done a lot of Wilson's plays, yeah. he's one of Tony Whitty, he did the adaptation and George Wolf directed it, did a fantastic, uh, and there were things that you saw in the movie mm-hmm. that you didn't see in the play. First of all, and CJ, you're talking about that uh, speech that Toledo gives about the leftovers. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the things they did in that movie was when he was saying that you cut to uh, images of black people, right. you know, we're the leftovers. He says, mm-hmm. you know, you get a pot and, uh, you know, you put corn and beans and, and peas and uh, uh, nuts and stuff. And you can't eat all that stuff up, which, you know, just representative of, you know, like, different you know s- tribes of uh you know slavery mm-hmm. sl- uh, africans that were brought to this country and they put into a pod mm-hmm. and they were forced you know not speak their languages and stuff and then you know they were used by this country to build this country and then they were just there's something left in the pot and those are the leftovers and when they you looked at those people and they were all different shades of black people they were right. light-skinned they were you know and i it's like oh my god mm. The leftovers. They were leftovers sexually, uh, you know, f- from from the um, from, from the sexual abuse, from the from the rapes and everything. And you don't see that. You couldn't see that in the play, but they showed that in the movie. Yeah. And when I saw that, it was like, oh, right. yes, we were the leftovers in all that sense. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a wonderful. It was like I, had, I was just like shaking when I saw that. They they did a wonderful job. And the other thing they did in this movie that was wonderful that you couldn't see in the play was when um, Levy is talking about that door that he's trying to open that yeah. door. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like it's too hot. It's too hot. You know, like I got to get out of here. And when he finally gets the door open after all that time, he opens the door and he goes out and it's a uh, squared. Yes. You know, it's like, he's still trapped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He's still trapped. And it was just like, and that's where, you know, the, that's where movies can influence plays and, and, and do better on it. it that's, those are two examples of how they made it much more effective as a movie as opposed to the play. Exactly. I think that's why we tend to talk about the movies when there is a movie on this podcast. Like we're like, if there is a movie of it, it's like, yeah. And also there's this other version of this thing where we got to see more and we got to be shown, uh, you know, symbolism that you can't really do on stage that you can't, you know, and that's, you're exactly right. Uh, I'm happy for it. It makes non-theater people. If it, if, if That's for sure. A movie will bring non-theater people to August Wilson, or like Lay Miz bringing people to theater. It's like great. Let's do it for Put sure. It out there. I, I am. I I think I might be the slight dissenter, and ever so slight. Um, <laughs> I liked the movie. I didn't love the movie, and mm. I um I love the performances. I love all the casting and stuff. I just didn't like. I felt like the movie was trying to. I, I felt the movie was trying to tip the balance towards Ma's story. So we cut 
there's about half an hour of the guys talking that's True. cut. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And so now I'd, yeah. I watched it after almost immediately after reading the play. So I'm being really nitpicky. I didn't dislike it. I really right. like this movie. I'm and I do, watch it again. I mean, let's say this. It's a 90 minute movie. Yeah. Like, right. Wilson is not a 90 minute playwright. You know what no, I mean? And, and that was the thing is <laughs> that it finished. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, and I think you can always leave them wanting more, but I literally could have used 15 minutes more, especially of that early stuff of watching the guys in the room together, which I just, mm -hmm. I just loved so much. You know, also, a, a populist, uh, a Netflix audience though, is, you know, less likely to watch Fences than they fair. are Ma Rainey. Whereas Fences felt like watching a play. Very mm -hmm. few cuts. Mm -hmm. Very few, you know, Denzel was very specific about like, let's put this Broadway play on film right whereas ma rainey felt like a film adaptation of this play. and now yeah. there were times where they were sitting in the recording studio and i was like oh we're in the play right now we are yeah. fully in the play mm -hmm. they were doing very slight camera movements but not a lot of cuts and stuff but then when they would go into the jazz hall and the, you know they were actually recording the blues and whatnot it was it was cinematic and i yeah. i don't know i liked it no no i i, <laughs> I, I didn't dislike it. it was more purely the 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 cuts that I, I, oh, they did make one change. So he's very distinct in the play that this is, and if you've ever been in Chicago, I lived in Chicago for a year. Uh, yeah, it, it was March and spring had yet to reveal itself. And that means right, it was cold play. as fuck. Yes. And all this stuff, <laughs> and she's, cause she's coming in and she's bitching about why won't he pay to heat this place? Why can't we keep this place hot? Mm -hmm. And there's the image That's of her the with the fur coat and the and him taking the coats from um, Irvin, taking the coats from the three of them as they come in and stuff like that. And I'm just like, oh, I, I get it. Like you want to you want to make it hot and ratchet up tension and stuff. That makes sense to me as as a choice. Uh, I just didn't quite fully understand it. The best thing that they did in the film. Maybe it's though, a metaphor, Scott. They're what, trying to make it feel what's like a meta, <laughs> what's a meta for? Bad uh, <laughs> jokes brought to you by Scott. But I will say that the, <laughs> that the tag, the tag at the end of the film, which yeah. is not in the play, yeah. slapped me in the face. And uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know if we want to reveal it on the podcast for those who haven't seen let's it. Let's not. But let's say our feelings on it, because I, I do. If you haven't watched it, you do need to watch this play. Go ahead, Raphael. I thought the tag was brilliant yeah. because um, that's another theme mm -hmm. uh, I, I, that uh, we, we forgot to mention. Um, uh, so the protagonist is how certain things like the music of African-Americans is co-opted by a certain group of people who make millions off of it millions. and the creators don't get shit. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. yep. And how many, yeah. how many people, you know, from, you know, Robert Johnson on down, how many blue, black blues artists recorded. And then how quickly, like if you've watched Ken Burns country music or Ken Burns jazz, both two Ken amazing Burns things. Jazz is incredible. What's, uh, who was that? Uh, the lady back in the twenties or the thirties, the African-American lady, she had some perfect kind of gene or DNA that they took from her and they've used oh, it. Henrietta Lacks. Hen yes. Who? Henrietta Lacks. Henrietta Lacks. Oh, right, right. They did yeah. an HBO movie yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But um, but no, I, I I agree. I think that that tag was like it, it punched me in the gut because I I I 
I'm such a fan of that era of music across the board. But I think what I what I noticed, and then I, I kind of went digging and looking for some more literary analysis of the play, was Wilson as a whole does this wonderful job of of of, of exploring degrees degrees of intensity with all of his themes, but that there's always this sort of, in Ma Rainey, there's always sort of a, a back and forth. There's, it's the conflict between old and new. It's the conflict between white and black, uh, between Northern and, and Southern tradition, between young and old, between book learning, which Toledo, like very clearly is a symbol of, and, and folk learning and folk wisdom and all those back and forths, which I just... I think my favorite character in the play is is Toledo, though, um, and in the movie, um, Glenn Turman. Man, what a career Glenn Turman's had! Like, and he's just marvelous. Yeah. And why he didn't get more of a shout? I mean, he's a little bit overshadowed by Viola and and uh, and Chadwick Boseman, but yeah, can, yeah. Well, can we talk about the acting in this? It was just spectacular. <sighs> mm-hmm. I, I, I watched. I, I watched those musicians and i was sitting there i was thinking yeah that's my that's my uncle mm-hmm. that's my granddaddy that's that's my daddy over there um <laughs> they look like know, they're playing the instruments which let's be honest in 90 yeah. percent of films i'm right. going you're not playing that guitar yeah you're not playing that trumpet your lip your your embouchure is not right your cheek cheeks aren't puck, puckered like how they should be like no way but this whole time I was going, did Chadwick Boseman learn how to play the cornet perfectly? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, they, they were just, it was, there, there was not a false note. And a yeah. shout out to Michael Potts, Ooh. my classmate, mm. played slow drag. Oh, oh, so good. So, you were in class and, with him? Yes. Oh. Yeah. I was, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, Viola, I had, I love Viola's work, but I have never seen her in a role like this mm-hmm. uh, sure. where I, I love seeing actors who show who are prism actors who, when you shine a light through them, there are different colors that come out. Mm-hmm. Those are like chameleon kind of actors. Mm-hmm. And this was a true chameleon role. I mean, yeah. she got into it where the, the walk and the way she sounded, um, the way she sat in the chair. And way she just said, like, and, I did not give a fuck. <laughs> the, the weight on her, and like every time she had to fight for something, you saw it was like, was like God damn it, I gotta do this again. <laughs> and you know, she, and she, I mean, she wouldn't, she 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 wouldn't run from the fight, but you could see it cost her every time she had to fight for something. It cost mm-hmm, her, mm-hmm. and it just it, by degrees, and the way she kind of cut her eyes. At the, and and at somebody somebody that said something to her wrong. It was, though. I mean, I'd never seen her like that. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and it just and then the way she looked. I mean, she with 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 the teeth and the mm-hmm. mascara running because it's hot mm-hmm. in there. Which is another thing that, which is another reason why the heat worked so well. I mean, she just it was. The glisten. She, yeah, she didn't yeah. even she didn't even I mean, hardly raise braced. her voice, but she was just a power to be reckoned with that entire time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they they all and and uh, they all were wonderful and you know and the, the, the see watch Chad would do it and thinking that I mean he was sick that entire yeah. time was yeah. 
Oh yeah. I, I couldn't help but weep. I was just like, oh my god. Yeah, was, that, uh, that tore me apart watching him do that role. I mean, especially by the end, you're just like, man, like we'll never, we'll, we won't get any more of that. And like what he would have done. It, uh, it's yeah. funny. Um, you you, you were talking Bailey about how easy these plays are to read, how short the reads are. Sure. Um, I found I found that it t- each each one took me about four and a half to five hours to read because I would go back, mm-hmm. and I went back and I think I read the uh, Levy's monologue about um, the rape of his mother and his mm-hmm. father's revenge. I think I read that like three or four times, mm-hmm. and then watched Bozeman do it, and just it just. <gasps> It's getting to me now. Like it just shattered me great. because he's just because he, he he's he's full of energy. He's full of spunk. He's full of anger. He's full of frustration. But he falls. It it is utter honesty. It is truthful. It's and well, and then you find out why he's so full of those things. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, in in terms of Viola, I wanted to comment real quick. Uh, everything you I. I agree with everything you said Raphael what amazed me about it was um I think Uta Hagen said this one time that the key the great the key to really playing a character brilliantly is to reveal the little things and it's the her little revelations of vulnerability and sensitive Mm -hmm. like her jealousy she jealous is she's watching Levy. Levy's getting too close. You know, the the moment Irving sort of kisses her on the cheek when he's like, I just need 15 minutes to, 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 to change the cable. And she's like, you give 15 minutes. That's all I'm giving you. And he kisses her on the cheek and you watch her and she just melts just a little bit. Like <laughs> just a little bit. The behavior. I mean, there was just so much behavior in there. I mean, when, when, when Dusty, when Dusty May is like, uh, massaging her feet, and yeah. you watch the two of them, and just like you know, looking at each other. Well, you know, if we didn't have anybody in this room, I'd throw you on that damn ground. And <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, <laughs> well, and then the defense of Sylvester, like that's yes. an important mm. thing. That was an important thing for her to do for her nephew, and she was going to make sure that it was done right. <laughs> it's all right, baby. Take your time. Just do it. And they're like, they're all just like, they're all rolling their eyes, and then their faces when he gets it is just like... Oh. And another thing that, they, that you can do in the movie that you couldn't do in the play was that you you know, you saw like those the 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 the, the re- recording cylinders that he kept, they you know they kept throwing in the right. garbage can. Yeah. So you saw like yeah. that was great. That was great. Yeah. Well, and I love that she's like, I don't care how much it costs. We'll, we'll do whatever we want. It's five cents a thing. Let's go. Like, come on. Like, oh, and get me my Coke. And they're like, what? We don't have Coke. Can we move on? And you know, let's be straight up. If this was a white recording ar- artist, they would have had a cooler full of Coke. Mm-hmm. And they would have, you know what I mean? Like, there's, a, you know, I actually just stole that line from another podcast I listened to called <laughs> Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. Oh. And it's one of my favorite podcasts of all time. And they... Uh, are three black men who watch movies based and they rate them based only on whether or not they help or hinder the uh, fight for more uh, black artists in Hollywood. Hmm. Like What's that's it called it. again? Give it's a called shout Black out. Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. 
Yeah, it's it's quite phenomenal. Um, and they do everything. Um, and they go back and and do things that are super old. But they did a Ma Rainey episode, and I didn't actually listen to the whole thing. But within the first five minutes. They pointed out the Coke thing, and I thought that I was like, I didn't even think of that while I was watching it. I was like, I didn't even think of that, and that proves my bullshit privilege. But I was just like, yeah, of course they would have, right? And it and the Coke thing too is just such a great. It's it's such an arbitrary request because mm-hmm. she's she's trying to flex her power. She needs to flex her power because just ten minutes earlier she couldn't much. get a cab. Yeah. She couldn't get a cab ride. Right. Like and right. so and and you can feel her awareness as a character of that her time may be passing. That's why she keeps going, I'll go back down south. I'll go yeah. back down. Right. I'll go back down to Tuscaloosa. I'll go back down to Memphis. I'll, I'll go, go back, back to my to tour. Georgia. I'll go back to the tour. Uh, and that's it's like I, I would say like her her like uh, motto the whole time is I'll go back on tour and L- Levy's motto is when I get my band together those are their characters kind of drives almost in a weird way or not. She, that's not even necessarily her, her drive as much as just like her tool, right. right? What she's getting to use against them. I loved Viola Davis's performance. Definitely. I think there's Oscar buzz surrounding this thing. Like sure. Crazy. It would have to it'd be insane. She got nominated for a golden globe. She got yeah, nominated for a SAG uh, award today. And a oh, SAG. I, okay. I haven't looked yeah. at those yet. The Golden Globes are kind of shitty. Uh, yeah, they kind of fucked over you. Ma Rainey, actually. It was well, just they very fucked over way. a lot of things. Yeah, y'all should look through those. They're, it's pretty depressing. Um, and there's a lot of controversy surrounding that. But the SAG Awards did all right. Yeah, and Golden Globes did not, uh, they did not shout out to, to, to Five Bloods, which is... Yeah, The Five Bloods is crazy. It's such a weird movie. And it's also, it's really weird to watch with chadwick in it because he is at the time at his skinniest mm-hmm. like has lost a lot of the weight and is like and it's it's intense it's a hardcore movie highly recommended but, um, but where was delroy lindo's nominations like yeah I, and there's I, a few I there's a few me. where don't i'm just like me. what's what's happening and we know what's happening so i want to talk a little bit though about the 84 production the original broadway cast yes yeah okay and please butt in, Raphael, if the, if I if you know anything about any of this. Uh, but the biggest <laughs> thing that I noticed was Teresa Merritt was the original Ma Rainey. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, she she was in there was a sitcom. Oh, uh, that's my mama, right? Yes, exactly. She was the mama. Yeah, yeah right. She, mama. And I always yeah. think of her from the, the Wiz. Yeah, she was the Wiz. Yeah. And then oh, and then I. <laughs> I always think of she has one of the funniest lines in Billy Madison. <laughs> Which line? What line is it? I forgot that she was in that. It's uh. I can't. I literally don't even remember the. I'll look it up and I'll I'll say it at the end of the podcast. But all it's but something to do Adam with like Sandler wanting to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's something to do with Adam Sandler looking sexy or so. I don't remember, but oh my God. pretty hilarious. But she's brilliant. Um, I would have loved to see that, obviously. And then just the cast as as you go down is just like kind of these stellar Joe Seneca. What else do we know about that that original production, y'all? Like Raphael, like what is your experience with that? Uh, I never saw the original production. That was that was before my time. I mean, it was a uh, uh, there was the play that uh, Charles Dutton did at uh, Yale, right? 
that you know kind of like propelled him into to stardom. Charles Dutton, um, star of of course Alien Three, <laughs> um, which I've talked about on the podcast before. Um, best known for. Best and, known for. Um, I mean, maybe in some areas he um, is incredible in that movie, though. He's I don't in, know. If yeah, he I'll is. Remember. Yeah. I mean, look. You, if if you want your jaw your jaw to drop, just go look at his IMDb. I mean, yeah. Dude, yeah. you know, he's just worked and worked and worked forever. Here's a fun Easter egg. I don't know if y'all ever saw the HBO special Bessie, Mm-mm. starring okay. uh, Queen Latifah. Queen. Yeah, Queen Latifah. Oh and yes, yes, yes. I've seen that. Yes, yes. It's phenomenal. It's about Bessie Smith, yeah. who is referenced in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and. Who August Wilson? I taught, I taught Bessie. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And I read that they might have been lovers. Bessie oh, and and both were gay. Yeah, that's what gay. I read. Yeah, and I think there's August also cites Bessie Smith as being sort of a big. Um, is she one of the four Bs even? Could Here, be. I'm gonna look up these four Bs because <laughs> that was an exciting uh, part of this that you're you're correct on, Raphael. Is um, here it is. Okay, the four Bs. The blues, mm-hmm. the art of painter Romare Bearden. Mm-hmm. Yes, the collage. The, the writing of poet Amiri Baraka. Yeah, and the writer of poet Jorge Luis Borges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It says this is the foundation of his playwriting, and it is poetry. Which just gets to all the points that we've already brought up, but I just thought that was interesting. Um, but a cool Easter egg is that in that movie, Bessie, uh, Ma Rainey is played by Monique. That's uh, and she's fantastic. Monique might be one of my favorite actresses of all time, and she's phenomenal in this film. But Charles S. Dutton plays Pa Rainey. Yes. <laughs> and it's awesome. And I didn't even put like I never would have put that together until we did this miniseries and I started looking up the original cast and I went, oh. oh. I got an Easter egg for you. Ooh, you. Uh, you know I love him. You were talking about, you were talking about Glenn Tur- Turman, Scott, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Glenn Turman was in the original production of A Raisin in the Sun. He played Travis. <gasps> he played he played Travis Younger. He played the, the, the Sun, which was directed by, by Lloyd, Lloyd Richards. Hey! That was wow. that was kind of Lloyd Richards' big break, wasn't it? That was like 50 well, as a as a yeah. director, like that was like fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, well, I mean, he, he was the first African American director to direct on Broadway, and Lorraine Hansberry was the first African American female to direct on Broadway, right. and it was you know a hit. And Sadie Portier, yeah. uh, Ruby D, Claudia McNeil, mm-hmm. Louis Goss Jr. Yeah. was in Mary it. Alice was Mary Alice part of all that crew. Mary Alice was the first um, uh, wife in Fences, right? Yes. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a couple of years from now. Um, Oh, by the way, I meant to actually start the podcast this way because my heart has been in sh- shambles this past week. Oh, no. Um, one of my, possibly my favorite actress of all time passed away, Cicely Tyson. Mm, right. Oh, goodness. Yeah. We, yes. Uh, uh, let's give a shout out. Oh, my God. That's the, you know, I mean, I don't. It's been a tough week. Yeah, it has. <laughs> it really has. Cloris Leachman. Cicely Tyson, Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? Oh, yeah. oh, my God. It's just a lot. And I, you know, and I, I get it. They're all in their 90s. Like, go Screech. then. Like, they Screech did. died? Well, he wasn't in his <laughs> 90s. But, yeah, um, that's true. Screech died. But uh, oh, Dustin Diamond, yeah. Um, I used to watch him on um, Celebrity Fit Club. Oh, <laughs> <my God. laughs> 
Oh no. We won't talk about that. Um, I mean, he and the Snapple lady just used to yell at each other. Um, Interesting, um, interesting little connections. Um, So Hank Aaron is obviously mentioned in Fences, Mm -hmm. uh, and it was just this past couple of weeks that Major League Baseball announced that the fusion of the stats. So in other words, for years and years and years, the Negro League stats were kept separate oh. from, and now they've put them back together and now a lot of people's names are dropping yeah <laughs> you know but like i mean it was he a long time he brings up satchel page too i mean well yeah no i mean like josh gibson just Oscar gibson, Charlton, yeah, yeah. Cool. Bell, yeah. I, all these great i mean satchel yeah, page played. played into his 50s and they said mm-hmm. his arm his he was insane. Was, like, he was better than anybody in the majors. Yeah. I mean, they say that Pretty he may nice. have been, you know, because they, however he did what he did, and they don't have a lot of film footage of him, like, he would just, he didn't pitch like anybody pitched before. He used his whole length, and he, like, would, like, sling and, like, you, like a rubber band. He would just, whoops. Plus, throwing, he's a great fucking name. Can you imagine throwing? <laughs> throwing satchel a, page a it's a good name satchel page speaking of baseball anyway. there's this great line in ma Rainey. no there's uh there is a great line in ma rainy though that has nothing to do with baseball and this one is the one that like kind of tore me up the most which was um white folks don't understand about the blues hmm. they hear it come out but they don't know how it got there they don't understand that's life's way of talking you don't sing to feel better you sing because that's a way of understanding life. And I have to be honest, as somebody who was a, in jazz band growing up my whole life and like love jazz and like go to jazz concerts and listen to a lot of big band and Charles Mingus is like my, I have like all of his records uh, on, you know, uh, framed on my wall. The one thing that I feel like eludes me most is that exactly what she's talking about, that little spark. I don't feel like I get the blues or even jazz in the way that I want to it's a little fleeting for me Mm -hmm. and it's it's like an obsession of mine where I like really want to like fully connect with it in this way and I there's always this little distance right and I think that's what she's getting to is that it's coming from a place that I don't think I can really tap into sure oh I Bale I think you can tap into that uh I mean the blues is just it's nothing when you look at it, it's it's about getting in touch with your own heartache, agreed, and your your own pain and working through it, and 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 still kind of going on because you have pain. You know, CJ has pain, Scott has pain. Well, you know, whatever your pain is, it's just about accepting it and owning it and keep going on. I mean, that's that the blues is you keep going on and despite it, mm-hmm. right? Hey. So, Absolutely. Yeah, you keep on listening. To yeah. It. I mean, I listen to it. I, you know, it's. I don't think it's the listening to it as much as the performing it. It's when I feel like I don't. I, I feel that disconnect when I, I, I don't feel like I can get there. And I think you're right. I think it's a, it's a, a little bit of a lack of my. And maybe this is what I'm actually experiencing is just a lack of wanting to expose myself in the way that blues kind of uh, allows. I, I've I, had a similar, yeah, I've had a similar experience or, or had a similar experience with jazz. Like it took me a long time before I, I found my gateway into it. And, and it, it was, it was Miles Davis. It was a kind of blue, uh, the album that I, 
I, a Rolling Stone put it on their list, like the 100 greatest albums all time or whatever. And I like listened to it and it was just, it took me to another world. Um, and then, you know, I think once you find, you know, a, a few gateways into it, then the other stuff starts to become bigger. Because if I, if it wasn't for Miles, I never would have listened to Charles Mingus. Uh, I certainly was, wouldn't have listened to Coltrane and, you know, a Love I, Supreme might be one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard put in my ears. I think something that stuck out to me, especially this time, with this play in particular, but with all of them, the reason... I, I remember being a little kid, and I, I grew up in all-white rural Illinois, but I remember hearing, like, gospel music in, like, a Southern Baptist church. And I remember, like, it made me feel things. And jazz, blues... All of those types of things that have been created by the African-American community, they're so rich and they're so full and they're so genuine. And it comes from, it is a product of the past. Mm -hmm. And the reason why white people keep taking it and nipping it and using it for our stuff is because we 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 can't reach inside ourselves and find that or we just haven't had that experience it's it's also it's not in our blood i used to house manage for ki it's um it's a reformist jewish community and i would just house manage for them during their high holy days which is two weeks worth of um services and they have this cantor like i would go in and i the services were great anyway but i loved listening to the cantor because there's so much feeling there because of what is in their past and what is in their blood. And it's mm. no wonder people want to co-opt it and take it for their own. Yeah. It's my um, blood is marijuana and, uh, <laughs> mine's Coke zero and a little bit of cheap bourbon. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's Coke zero for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, I think that's why I love listening to folk music of whatever country Sure. Because I think that's that is where you can find you can you can hear that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't understand folk music from Russia or you know from the, the country, different countries in Africa. Right. I don't understand the language, but if it's folk, if it's a folk music, if, if it's coming from that region, I feel something. Yeah. And you Same. know, I mean. Europeans are white uh, folks of European descent who live in this country, they can they can dip into that same thing. You like folk. You ever been to a bluegrass concert? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you, yeah. that's that's yeah. the I deepest mean, of the. Room, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, boy, Appalachian. Oh yeah. Is, um, you were doing something. Um, I, I listened to one of your when, when you were um, see when you were in, interviewing a. Uh, Travis. Oh yeah. And he was yeah, when he, and he was talking about the work that he does with alternate roots. And you know, I have done work with alternate roots too when I was with you know Carpet Theater, which is a it's a rural-based African American uh, group that's out of Knoxville. But there are companies that like uh Roadside Theater in uh Kentucky that you know is based on um lifting and exploring the Appalachian uh, community and their history and stuff. And just the, the music that came out of you know, the, their stories, it's just, it's so fucking rich. Mm, and yeah. it's, you know, because there's some pain in there too. It's absolutely, so you just, 
yeah so i mean isn't that uh, art i mean that's you know that's yeah, what we're talking that's about right. it's expressing like expressing your pain well it's like i remember yeah. um carl sagan being interviewed by charlie rose one time and charlie rose was pretty he was brought up religious and he couldn't quite get get his mind wrapped around Carl Sagan's atheism. And at one point, Carl Sagan's like, oh, it's like when you go and, and you see one of these fantastic church choirs in Austria. And Charlie Rose is like, what do you mean? What? Why would you why would you, you listen to a, a church choir? And, and Carl Sagan's like, because it's beautiful. Like, like, I don't, right. it's, like a, mm-hmm. it's because it's beautiful. It doesn't have anything to do with a belief in a yeah. supernatural. It's it's about Right, a human experience expressing a human and you're experience. Not so that's it, that's it. that culture by enjoying it. Right. You right. Know yeah. what I mean? And I, and, you know, I mean, you can be, yeah, you can be an, an, an atheist or an, an agnostic or whatever. And gospel music or, yeah. you know, listen to candy. It can oh, still yeah. move. go to a Southern Baptist church and then see what you feel. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, My dad grew up Southern I, Baptist. I've been to a few. It's like, it'll, to, yeah, me too. Like, it, like, and, and I'm not a religious person, as most of you know, but. Uh, but but I've been in there and I've had that I've had that spirit I've felt the spirit like yeah. you know what I mean absolutely it's the music um, yeah so uh, one other thing I wanted to shout out about Ma Rainey though is um, the 2003 Broadway revival uh-huh. which uh, stars Whoopi Goldberg as Ma Rainey which yeah. I bet was awesome and then uh, Charles S. Dutton reprises his role and then uh, big shout out to Future Avenger <laughs> Anthony Mackie as it's Sylvester, Sylvester yeah. the nephew. <gasps> I love it. Oh, that's yeah, great. that's great. Um, so that's uh, pretty exciting. Uh, I definitely wish I could get a hands-on like a bootleg of that. Right? Yeah, I would love to have seen that. Can, can I throw in the first controversial take? Yeah, yeah, yeah do it. <laughs> it's, um, the, the the revival. Uh, okay, so. I may hear about this later on, but fine. <laughs> drop it, drop it. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I, that revival, I mean, I think Charles was too old. That's, to I was him. about yeah. to ask and, that question. Yeah. Because he would have been in his... It's 20 years later. 50s, yeah. late 50s, early yeah. 60s. He had, been, he had been playing one of the uh, the other band members. He had been playing Toledo or Cutler or... Slow Drag, Slow Drag. yeah. And Whoopi, I love Whoopi, but Whoopi is such a force... And a personality of herself. Whenever I see her, I see Whoopi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 yeah. And you know, maybe earlier in her career, when you didn't know her, color purple days, kind of. Oh, yeah. Before yeah. that, I mean, when she was doing her one woman show. Incredible. Oh, when she was doing a one woman show. But right now, I mean, she's just she's so unique. She is such a force and a personality that I just I can't help but see her mm. like when I'm. The stand, I'm seeing, okay, so Whoopi's playing, uh, you know, Mama something or another. And, and I just, I, I didn't think it worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. Well. I mean, that's legit. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, especially Ma Rainey is just such a specific part. And I think you're right. Whoopi has this vibe that she is Whoopi. It's what sold her movies in the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. Is like, Whoopi Goldberg's in it, so everyone's mm-hmm. gonna love this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like across the board, families, anyone, like it's rated R, fine. Like everyone's gonna love it. Like <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, I was a huge Whoopi Goldberg fan when I was a kid. Oh come on, Sister Act! I was like six yeah. years old when that came out. I love that movie. I think Sister Act Two is one of my like 
Oh, favorite nineties movies. Like I love that movie. Is, Lauren is, Hill. Is that the one? That, oh, Lauren Hill. That's a, she's yeah, Lauren Hill. Yeah, when she's yeah. like, she was a teenager in that. In that. Is that the second one or the first? It's one? the second one. The second first one, one okay. is just her running from the mobster, the Vegas mobsters, and she just has to get away. And Maggie Smith's like, oh, you, you're, you're yeah. too different. Yeah. This is McGonagall here. Yeah, no, but then the second one is is them trying to start a school, or they've started a school. That's right. And they're cleaning and, everything up down there. In right, the and they, they need her to come and, like, teach the music class for a little while. Right, 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 right. like, okay, and they're like, but you have to pretend to be a nun so that the parents don't freak out. And she's like, okay. Mm-hmm. And so she comes to do it, and it's like... <laughs> really good and at the end they go to this um the big competition as mm-hmm. you do in a 90s film right you go to the big competition and they compete against all these different choirs and like the saint olaf choir is there and does um the same song that they're doing ode to joy and they're like and it's like perfect and they're like uh, holy holy i think what yeah. do we do um and uh they get up and do this thing that's like ode to joy but they call it joyful joyful and it's this whole like 90s hip-hop yeah. extravaganza and it's yeah it starts really out with good. lauren singing a solo and then they come in and it's this big dance show that's right that's right it's the best uh, and then there's the oh happy day scene come on y'all let's oh, just do happy an episode day. on scissor act two. Oh uh, yeah oh well bonus episode let's do it well yeah oh, <laughs> um i i um told alexa to play a ma rainey shuffle last night and just listen to it for a couple hours and i <laughs> Thank you, Bailey. Um, I, I, I know I'd heard her music before and I loved it, but I just got this feeling and it's because I miss being in public and miss being in theaters. It just felt like I was in this smoky, dark little bar drinking a whiskey and there was like 20 other people there. And those have been some of my favorite like performance and theater experiences where it's like, there's only 20 of us that are watching that. Like nobody like else gets to see this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just, it made me long for the stage and also yeah. just for like to go watch somebody perform. <laughs> here, here. Um, there was also a production of this uh, at the Mark Taper a few years ago. Did anybody see that? It Felicia Rashad? Oh, that yeah. 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 Lilith White played Ma Rainey. Oh, really? Oh, Felicia yeah. Rashad directed. She directed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Lillis Wright. Glenn Turman was in that production. Uh, he played uh, Cutler. No, he played uh, Toledo. Toledo, mm. yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah he, awesome. was, he was He was. great. I liked it a lot. I haven't seen a lot. Most of most of the productions I've seen on stage have been um, uh, at the university level, uh, and they've been great. But that one, that in particular, I thought was was good. And and I wish I wish Felicia would direct more. She's great. Like it was, it was good. It was. I, I really, I, I enjoyed it. You know. Yeah. Is there anything else we want to say about Ma Rainey before we close out first episode? I can I, I real quick. Yeah. There's a there's a Toledo quote in here. I yeah. think Toledo ended up being my favorite character because he he talks about all of his. He's doing all the reading and then he's talking about how he lost his wife to sort of lost his wife to the church and there's a balance there. But he has this quote <laughs> and I thought it was kind of. Um, in many ways, a thesis for the play. He says, see now, I'll tell you something. As long as the colored man looked to the white folks to put the crown on what he say, as long as he looks to white folks for approval, 
then he he won't never gonna find out who he is and what he's about. He's just gonna be about what white folks want him to be about. That's one sure thing. And it, whatever reason, like I read that that quote like three or four times. It just you know it was a it was a thesis for me. And and I love that I love the character of Toledo and. Uh, it 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 shattered his ending shatters me in the way that august wilson describes it at the end that it's it's a gasp of shock when he's stabbed um just floored me um i just i love this play i think i think it's beautiful and i can't wait to revisit it again i can't wait to watch the film again i agree any other final thoughts Raphael? cj Mm. no you know it we're gonna ha- we have three other plays to cover of his uh we did already talk about fences on a previous episode so we'll probably cut that one a little bit short but we're gonna make sure we get our thoughts out on it but go back and listen to we did a bonus episode a while back on plays that have been made into movies and uh i think my choice was fences uh and so we we went into it we watched it we had nothing but great things to say about it uh so go and listen to that but uh we'll definitely come back next week and tackle way more of the evolution of august wilson so thank you so much for joining us on our first episode of the mini series of the podcast lesson august wilson thank you Raphael, for joining us yes do you have questions do you have comments do you have playwrights <laughs> that you want us to discuss do you want to tell us how fucking great we are well you can message us on instagram you can email us please follow us subscribe all that good stuff yeah we're not desperate we're just desperate Desperate. <laughs> uh, thank you so much to Ryan Thomas Johnson for writing our amazing theme song. Thank you so much to Pamela Quinn uh, for writing uh, our special uh, episode centric song. And for being our God. And for being our God. She is and our God. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, thank you to Annie Baker for writing our podcast. And Thanks, Annie. Annie Baker, we can't wait to have a beer with you. Yep. We're going to buy you a beer, Annie Baker. Um, and you can tell us about your Pulitzer Prize. That's right. Um, can't wait. Everyone, <laughs> go rate, subscribe, or review, or all three. You it, don't even it, have to like us. You don't even have to like us. Like, literally, it does help so much. Um Just one of the things, subscribe, rate, or review. We have a ton of listens. We can see all of the listens coming in. It's great. We've recently passed 13,000. Like, we're, we're doing fantastic. But our engagement is so low, so it makes me feel like we just have robots listening to us. So please uh, engage with us. We really want to hear from you. Thanks again, Raphael. And um, as Come back old, next week for part two of August Wilson. <gasps> come back next week. We'll see you. Thanks a lot. Later, everybody. Meow. Think of me. <laughs> Think you of me fondly. <laughs> oh, I've done Bro, that one, I'm, haven't I? You've done that <laughs> one. That was so I hear you knocking. I hear you talking. But it's more like a hush. And you're making me blush. I hear you calling. But just keep stalling. Because I'm not ready. Stay back, stay steady. When it comes time for us to fight Only one damn thing's gonna make it alright One-on-one Put down your gun Put up your fist Cause when you see my name at the top of your list You can knock Till then, back up